Well, it's a wonderful hymn. It's a difficult one to, to sing with real meaning in our hearts. Uh, verse 3 certainly struck me. Give me a faithful heart likeness to thee, that each departing day henceforth may see. Some work of love begun, some deed of kindness done, some wanderer sought and won. Something for thee. Whatever you do to one of these, you also do for me, says the Lord. Well, we're in Malachi chapter 3. I'm so thankful for the providences of God and the way that He orders things. Um, it's just around two years ago now, I was retiring from St. Melan's Baptist Church and looking to do an itinerant uh, ministry. I went away for three months and then in the providence of God, doors opened to come here for this, uh, this two-year uh, period. And um, when I thought about what to do, I was led very much to this particular book in the Old Testament, Malachi, for a Sunday evening series. Uh, I didn't know what the needs of the church particularly were, but the Lord uh, is, uh, is well aware. Obviously, He knows all things. And uh, I'm so thankful for expository preaching because uh, if I'd just chosen this text, you might well think, oh, well, uh, he's, he's maybe getting at us. Well, I'm getting at myself as well because we're all under the same word. But we're here in this area of tithes and offerings. And uh, it's something which uh, we are being brought and confronted with that uh, our finances as a church are perhaps not what they uh, have been in the past or what they would need to be to continue the current ministries of the church for our home ministries and also for overseas support. We no longer have the means to do all that we currently do. That is a fact. That is a fact. But God is able. So in my prayer constantly, I'm praying, Lord, supply us with what we need to do what you would have us do. And may that be our prayer. But we've come now to this particular section. And again, it's only because we're going through Malachi, we've made our way to chapter 3, and this particular section here that we began to open up last week, going from verse 6 through to verse 12, is a definite uh, section. And we're looking at this area of repentance. It's written to the people of God. Uh, repentance. Verse 7, halfway through. Return to me, and I will return to you. What a promise, says the Lord of hosts. If we feel a distance from God individually or as a church, guess who moved? He has not changed. Verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. O sons of Jacob, you might be wayward as my people, but I remain faithful to my covenant and my promises. And those who I have set my love upon will be finally saved and I will persevere with them. That's why they will persevere uh, to the end. But they've been wayward in Malachi's day and uh, they don't seem to get it. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? So the Lord drills down now on this particular area. Practical Repentance. Repentance, remember, 
It's a powerful Greek word in the New Testament, metanoia, uh, thinking again, another thinking, a turning in our minds from self, thinking it through. Uh, like the prodigal son in the, uh, the, the pigsty and thinking about father's house and we can be wayward as the Lord's people and thinking that we know best being Mr. Worldly Wise but then to consider our ways and think about where is the blessedness I knew when first I, I knew uh, the Lord? Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? Thinking and then our hearts being moved. Oh, all that he's done for me something for thee, then that turn of the will and actually a movement. How, how should we return to you? Well, he gives them a practical example where they've certainly been failing. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then this... Uh, wonderful command, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Interesting, chatting to one of the members this morning, uh, we're told not to try the Lord. Uh, you will not tempt the Lord your God, not test him. But now here in Malachi chapter 3, we're told to do exactly that. Now, one is to tempt providence and put ourselves in danger that he might help us. Or as we also saw this morning, to grumble against him when we don't feel we've had a fair hand from him. But this is to try his promises and his veracity and his character. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. So that's the area we're in. And we're in it because that's the passage we've reached in Malachi. Okay? And the Lord knows. So we can be excited about that. Excited about that. But I've been drawn here to preach on this particular section at such a time as this. So we're looking at tithes and offerings. Now, let's think about it then. Hope you brought your sandwiches. We could be quite some time together here this evening. Tithes, tithing. First point I make is this. Uh, it well predates the Mosaic law. It was enshrined in the law eventually, but it predates the law by many, many years. Here we have in um, Genesis chapter 14. You know the story. Um, there are five kings who've gone up against four kings. And the five king army is victorious and they sweep off all the goods of the king of uh, Sodom and take them into captivity and other kings as well. But along with that, they also take Abraham, Abraham's nephew Lot. And uh, Abraham gets to hear about the captivity of his nephew, Lot. And so with his 380-odd trained servants, he goes off and attacks this army of five kings. And amazingly, by the power of God, he overcomes the army of the five kings. 
and comes back to the king of Sodom with all the goods that have been looted from him, as well as his, uh, his people, his women and children being taken into captivity, and also Lot as well. And uh, let me just pick up this reading here. Verse, verse 11 of chapter 14 of Genesis. Then they, this is the army, the five armies, then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom with his, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the tabernacle trees in Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Anna, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318, sorry, I overestimated it, not 380 or just 318 trained servants who were born in his house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the, valley, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Cadalamor and the kings who were with him. I think you could really jump on to verse 21 here. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, uh, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. But in the meantime, there's this encounter, verse 18. Abraham is returning with all the spoils of the battle and his uh, nephew Lot. King of Sodom's coming out to meet him. But then we have this character. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he it's clearly Abraham gave him Melchizedek a tenth of all so he gets a tenth of all the spoils goes to this character Melchizedek the priest from Salem and uh, there we have the first giving of a tithe. He gives him this 10%. Abraham takes nothing for himself. King of Sodom, take it all back. I'll just take my nephew and uh, I'll be on my way. It'll not be said that you made me rich, but Melchizedek receives a tenth. Now this well, well, well predates the Levitical priesthood. I should have looked up how many years, but we're, we're, we're talking about hundreds of years now that it predates the Levitical priesthood and the enshrining in the law of tithe-giving. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our great high priest. How can he be a high priest, the uh, Hebrew writer argues? For he's from the tribe of Judah. Priests come from the tribe of Levi. 
Ah, but Jesus Christ is of the order of Melchizedek. There was a priesthood long before the Levitical priesthood, and Jesus Christ belongs to that eternal priesthood. So there's the first mention of tithing. Then we can go ahead a little to Genesis chapter 28 and the encounter that Jacob has with God as he's uh, leaving to go and find his uh, uncle. He's in the wilderness. He lays down to sleep and he has that uh, dream of the ladder to heaven. And uh, when he wakens from the dream, Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called on the name of that place, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So these things are all predating any enshrining in the law of tithing. This is an ancient um, custom that people performed. Giving this tenth to the priest Melchizedek, uh, Jacob vowing he would give God a tenth of all that he had. And then we come to the law itself. I did say bring your sandwiches with you. We will be a little time giving some background here. But then building on that, what are the New Testament principles that we need to bring out? The enshrining of tithing in the law. Leviticus chapter 27, first of all, and verse 30. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So whatever the land's producing, whether on trees or from the fields, a tithe belongs to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, so now we come to the animals, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. So you're cows and your sheep and your goats are passing under the rod. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, mine, ten, the Lord's. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, mine, twenty, the Lord's. And you don't, says that he goes on to say here, he shall not inquire whether it is, it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. So, oh, that's, that's rather a good one, number ten. Uh, I'll swap it with number nine. That's a bit manky. Can we be like that? You know, the Lord gets the scrag ends and the, uh, the, the, the things that we don't... It's no sacrifice at all. But no, whatever it is, it might be a manky one. But that's under the Lord's control. Number 10 and number 20 and number 30. Your sheep and your goats and your, your cattle. A tithe 
to the Lord. After all, Psalm 24, what, what is the Lord's? Thank you. Everything. <laughs> what do you actually own? Nothing. If I give a tenth and he allows me to be the steward of the 90%, the nine-tenths, well, I've got to be a good steward. Because actually I own nothing, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Let's move on from Leviticus, come into uh, Numbers and chapter 18. And we can see the logic behind the tithes being enshrined in the law of God. Numbers 18 and verse 21. Behold, I have given the children of Levi, I have, sorry, behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel. So who do these tithes go to? They go to the Levites in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting and they shall bear their iniquity, and it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. Inheritance. So the tabernacle will be set up and eventually the temple will be set up. And it's not anybody who wants to who can serve in the tabernacle and the temple. No, says the Lord, I'm going to choose one tribe and it's the Levites. And they will have no inheritance in the land you're going to inherit when you get over the Jordan. There'll be a while yet in the wilderness, but they're going to come into the promised land. And uh, once they're there, the land will be divided up, but the Levites won't have any land. They will have cities they can live in but they are to minister at the temple. How are they going to be maintained? Well, it'll be through the tithes and the heave offerings. They'll, those that aren't burnt up on the altar, those that are waved before the Lord and heaved before the Lord, wave offerings, heave offerings, read about them in Leviticus, so many offerings there. Some were consumed on the altar. But even there, uh, the good portion was often given to the priests and the Levites for them to uh, sustain themselves. But for the heave offerings and the wave offerings, they are the portion of the Levites. And uh, working it out, if each tribe gives a tenth, then that certainly makes up for this uh, tribe of Levi. But then reading on a little bit further in Numbers chapter 18, verse 25, what about the Levites? Do they have to give a tithe? Well, yes, here it is. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithe which I have given to you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. So the tenth that you get, you're to give a tenth. Where does that go? And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the winepress, thus shall you offer a heave offering to the Lord 
from your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. So the Levites receive a tithe from the people, the other tribes, and that sustains them. Then of the tithes that the Levites receive, they give a tenth, and it's for the priests who minister around the temple. And so tithing is enshrined in the law. And notice for the Levites, this is in return for their work in the tabernacle. Uh, they are to be freed from everyday concerns of plowing the fields and scattering the good seed on the land and reaping and maintaining and building. No, their work is temple service. And freed from the other entanglements, they could focus on service of the Lord. And to receive a tenth from the other tribes kept the Levites pretty much on a par with their brothers and sisters throughout the rest of Israel. They were not poorer, they were not richer, they were very much on a par with their brothers and their sisters. Where are these offerings to be taken to? Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 10. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around about you so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There, in this place the Lord chooses, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and your female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion with you. Take heed to yourselves that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place where the Lord chooses, in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I commanded you. So the offerings and the tithes are being brought into that central uh, storehouse. And around the temple, once it was built, were rooms where the offerings and the grain were stored, and it was overseen, and it was administered. Well, as well as the Levites in the land... There were also other needy people, perhaps those who couldn't work, those who were not able to sustain themselves. And Israel had a responsibility towards the weaker brother. And what about the alien who was uh, fleeing conflict, perhaps, and came for shelter in the land of Israel? The Bible has much to say about such things. So in Deuteronomy chapter 14, there was a special tithe that was given every third year. Deuteronomy 14 and verse 27. You shall not forsake the Levite who is, in, who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of, what, of, of that year and store it up within your gates. 
And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands which you do. No, you're to care for those who can't care for themselves. Here's the, the welfare system uh, of the day. Today, well, we, we do have some government assistance and thank God for stable governments in, in our land. You know, there are lands where you could work all your life and there's no pension at the end of it all. You know, that, that actually happens. And where there's no national health service. And unless you can pay for the operation, you're simply not going to have the operation. But thank God we live in a land where there are provisions. You know, we can grumble so very readily. But the church still has a responsibility to oversee the needs of the poor, the fatherless, the widow, and the alien who might come amongst us very close to the heart of God. Deuteronomy, sorry, Deuteronomy, yes, Deuteronomy chapter 26 on the same theme and verse 12. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Again, the same thing being said. So that's really an overview, quick whistle-stop tour of tithing. It predates the law, but it's certainly enshrined in the law. There's a logical reason. We have a tribe set apart for ministering at the tabernacle and the temple. They need to be maintained. So a tenth comes from the other tribes and supplies their needs. There is also the needy and the widow, the fatherless and the alien within your gate. And the money, the tithes are brought and the grain into the central storehouse. It's administered then by the Levites. It's given out amongst them and to those who are in need. Now, the point in Malachi's day is that this was not happening. This was not happening. Uh, it had done in the past. It had stopped happening. It was going in fits and starts. Malachi is prophesying at uh, a similar time to Nehemiah's ministry amongst God's people. Uh, so in the time after the exile, and uh, it's in the time of Nehemiah as well. And it's interesting that in Nehemiah, uh, we've got things that Nehemiah is inspired to say about tithing and offerings. So they're around about the same time, Nehemiah and Malachi. Just have a quick look. Nehemiah comes before Psalms and before uh, Job, you'll find Nehemiah there. And in chapter 12 and verse 27, it seems that Nehemiah has got things in place on tithing. Now, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps, and, uh, and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathite. Well, wherever they are, then, yes. Uh, so, the tithes were being brought into the house, and the Levites are being gathered again. Then Nehemiah goes away, back to Persia for some time, 
And then he returns again to Jerusalem and finds a sorry situation. Chapter 13 of Nehemiah and verse 10. This is when he gets back. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. The tithes weren't coming in. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God being forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of grain and the new wine and the oil into the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe. And of the Levites, Padiah. And next to them was Hanan the son of Zuccor, the son of Metaniah. And they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to their brethren. So at last again it's been restored and the grain and the tithes and the offerings are being brought into the central fund and then being overseen by perhaps the good treasurer and distributed to uh, the people as were needed. But in Malachi's time, it's just not happening. So it's perhaps in that intervening period when Nehemiah is away. And that's the Lord's contention. The tithes are not coming into the storehouse. Now, as well as tithes, we're learning about offerings here. On top of the tithes, there were offerings. Already mentioned, part of the tithes were the wave and the heath offerings, uh, and they were used by the priests, but there were special offerings and special occasions where one-off gifts were brought to the Lord. An example of that is the construction of the tabernacle. Come with me to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. For everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. So here's the Lord saying, I'm desiring now this offering, but it should only come from willing hearts. I don't want people giving to me grudgingly. Uh, and what is desired? And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and on the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. Moving rapidly through. God desiring now these aren't tithes. Uh, these are special offerings from the people whose hearts are willing. I, I want gold and silver and bronze. I, I want these fine materials. I want these gemstones in the construction of my tabernacle. I calculated the amount. You could read it. I'll just pass over this in Exodus chapter 38, verses 24 to 29. We're told the amounts of gold and silver and bronze they brought in. And uh, I've calculated on today's values. Uh, the offering amounted to 53 million. But uh, 
you know, there were quite a number of Israelites, actually, that was divided uh, among. So each one doing his bits, the money soon came in. Uh, giving was quite sacrificial. Uh, we're told that to make the, uh, the bronze basin and its stand, uh, use was made of the women who ministered at the temple. They gave up their bronze mirrors and they were melted down to form the laver and its stand. They're just quite a sacrifice. I mean, there were no glass mirrors in those days. You could just look in it. I mean, I looked in the mirror before I came out and smoothed my, my hair over. But in those days, you just had a piece of shiny brass. And so once you've given that up, what did the ladies have? Well, what did they have? Uh, no mirrors. <laughs> they could look in a pool of water, maybe. So it was quite something. They, they gave sacrificially to, uh, to the Lord's work. And a great amount came in. Now the Lord says not to do this, not to supply the needs for the work. And in our days, it's a gospel work. Here it is, verse 9. And here's the word of God. You are cursed with a curse, for you, speaking to God's people, have robbed me, even this whole nation. Haggai, prophesying again at a similar time. Nehemiah, Haggai, Malachi. Oh, you have said, says uh, Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 2, it's not time to build the Lord's house. They, they started building the, uh, the new temple after the exile. They laid the foundation, then they stopped for 80 years, and weeds had grown everywhere. Oh, it's not the right time, said the people. Not yet. Is it not the right time, says the Lord, but I see you're busy building your panelled houses. You're certainly lining your own pockets. You're looking after yourselves. But notice the consequences. The, the grain, there should be 50 watts and there's only 20. Uh, the wine, you're expecting so many gallons. There's a fifth of that. You're putting your money into a bag with holes in it because I am cursing you because you're saying it's not yet time to build the Lord's house. You're putting your money into a bag full of holes. And therefore the Lord says to the people in Malachi's time, you need to repent. Metanoia, heart, mind and will, there needs to be action. And here it is then again, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. What a, what a reward that I will open the window of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you're not able to contain it. I'm going to come to a conclusion now, because it's ten past seven. We can look at the New Testament applications, God willing, uh, next time. Makes for an easier week for me in the week ahead. That's a little benefit there. But um, when the people were giving towards the construction of the tabernacle, something very wonderful happened. Um, certain men were appointed as uh, craftsmen and they were highly skilled and God blessed them and gave them the spirit to be able to do this wonderful work of craftsmanship. And you read the description of what they made, they're quite, quite amazing, uh, being uh, constructed out of uh, beaten gold and, and silver and moldings and castings. And men were skilled to do this, but the people were bringing and bringing and bringing. And then the craftsman went to Moses and said, can you tell the people to stop? 
There's far too much coming in. We don't know what to do with it. So Moses has to plead with the people, please stop giving. James, I hope you hear that at some point from the people. You might be able to say, please stop. See if I will not open a window in heaven. Now, I do apologize. It's been quite technical tonight, but we're laying a foundation tithing and giving to the work of the Lord. We need to come on to the gospel application, our day and generation. But I hope you see the obvious parallels. There is a gospel work to support, and our prayer must be, Lord, give us the means to do the task that you have given to do, us to do, both here in Cardiff, throughout Wales, and in those parts of the world you'd have us continue to support the work. We've got um, a lovely family from, uh, well, I think you're living in the States now, but uh, the family there in, uh, in Haiti. And I remember my time here in the 1980s as a, as a student, and Martinez and Immaculate Jovan being spoken about. And here we are 40 years later, and we're keen to support that work. Oh, Lord, would you provide the means needed? Uh, Maged is, I'm sure I've seen Maged. Yeah. What a wonderful work. Now, we need to, we, we, our desire is to continue to support these wonderful works. Of all the staff that we support here, we love them dearly. Do we want this work to continue? We need to pray. We need to pray. We're not making an appeal for money now, setting before you the biblical text. We'll come on to some gospel applications from the New Testament next week. But we need to pray. And pray this prayer with me. Lord, give us the means. <laughs> To do the work and to support the work, the work you'd have us do and the work you would have us support. You are able. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But we have personal responsibilities too. So we look at those uh, applications and principles from the New Testament, God willing, next week. It's time I finished. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a time in your word. Thank you that your word speaks into every situation. Lord, tonight has been not easy, perhaps, not a fresh gospel-filled uh, message, but Lord, necessary. Here we are in this particular section of Malachi. And help us personally and as a church to reflect on these things and to see what our place is before a God who has been so generous to each and every one of us. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to finish with uh, a hymn I certainly know, but I'm told by Karen, perhaps uh, we don't know it very well here. It's 788 in the hymn books. Thy life was given for me. Are we familiar with this? Who knows this one? Oh, yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a few do, Karen. Okay, we'll go for it then. Thank you.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.